uh, and that it will dramatically affect your life if you'll just receive what he has for you in his word. And so having said that, I just want us to get our hearts ready uh, to receive what God has for us. If you would just put your hands out, palms up, close your eyes, uh, nothing special. It's just a, a posture of surrender. Take a deep breath. And remember that God is just as near as the air that you're breathing. God, would you give us tender hearts to your word this morning? Uh, help us to put away the frustrations of this past week, the distractions of the coming week. Help us to fully focus on you and what you have for us. Uh, we come empty, surrendered with nothing to offer, but surrender. God, would you fill us up this morning as only you can. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, hey, today we were in part four of our train series, and we've been looking at our motives, looking at what is pulling us. Our verse for the series is 1 Timothy 1, 5, and we get to that part in the yellow. If you help me out there, it says, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. So far, we've looked at our hearts. Uh, that, that's our feelings. We've looked at a clear conscience. That's the things we believe to be true or facts. And this morning, we're going to be looking at faith. Every one of us uh, has uh, the facts that motivate us, the feelings that motivate us, and our faith. We can't detach from any of them. Uh, we all are a part of a train that is our life. Uh, but what happens is, uh, those are all a part of us. But when we have them in the appropriate order, things go well. And when we don't, uh, we can move forward. Uh, but it creates stress and it creates strain in our lives. And all of us are wired a little differently as well. We have tendencies to neglect some parts of us and elevate other parts of us. If, if you're all about the facts, all right, the things that you know to be true, that's the Vulcan, all right, this person who's all about the facts. And those people who are led by their emotions, their, their characters from inside out. And what we want to do is we don't want to neglect any part of how God has made us. We can't detach from how we are created. All those cars are going to be present in the train that is our life. But we need to get them in the God-honoring order. So the question for us is, how should we order our lives? Uh, the first part, the part that pulls us, uh, that keeps us going, it, it needs to be faith. All right? The, the first part of the train has to be faith. And then we've got facts and we've got our feelings. Okay? They're, they're all a part of the train. I, I, want to, I want to be clear that I said that. They're all a part of how God has created us. But if we don't put faith at the front, it disorients our lives. It disorients our lives. Now, some of you guys are sitting there thinking, uh, I don't know if I would say faith is at the front of the train for me. And uh, it's not what motivates me. And I wouldn't describe my life as disorienting. So like, faith is not at the front. And it's not disorienting me, I don't think. But I want to say again, if we don't have faith at the front of the train, it disorients us. And, and I want you to imagine someone with me who has uh, had never driven a car, never driven a car, uh, never rode in a car, never seen a car, and this person gets keys to a car. Uh, it's it's backed, uh, it's into a driveway, so to get the car out, they have to back it out of where it's parked. And so they're figuring it out, and so they start the car, they, they put it into R, all right, because that's the first option that they have on the car. And it makes it go in the direction they want. It doesn't make them drive into the garage. It lets them get out of the driveway. And because it's working, right, the car is moving, it's, it's going along, uh, and they don't know any better, 
they just decide to keep the car in reverse, right? And uh, so they spend all their time driving backwards, right? They got a kink in the neck from looking there, staring at the rearview mirror just to see what's going on. And if you were to ask that person who's, who's got the car in reverse the whole time, hey, do you enjoy driving? Like, does this seem like it's a good thing? And they'd be like, oh my gosh, it's so much faster than walking, right? This is a person who's never seen a car. All I have to do is press this pedal and I go. Imagine how big of a change it would be for that person uh, who's, who's making, they're making it work, just driving in reverse. How big of a transformation would it be when someone shows them, hey, if you put it down here to drive, you can see out of this whole windshield in front of you, right? Your vision's better. You can drive faster. Your neck's not gonna hurt anymore. It would completely change the way they travel. They would say, this is so much better than what I've been doing. What they were doing worked. They could, they could drive around. It was better than walking. But when they put it the right way, the way it was created to be used, it's so much better. It's the same way when it comes to our faith. You might not realize how faith being the driving force will change your life. It's possible that you've become accustomed to letting something else lead your life. And you don't feel disoriented. You've acclimated to it, just like the person who'd be driving in reverse. They got used to it. But when we get faith, right, when we get it at the front of the train in our lives, it changes everything. When faith is pulling us, it changes everything. It reorients your lives around the right things, especially when you're in the valleys, because it's faith that keeps us going when times get tough. Regardless of how you're feeling or the facts of whatever's going on in the situation, faith is what keeps you going. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 says it this way. This is the definition of faith in the Bible. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Faith is what we hope for. The evidence of things we cannot see. So, so why is it so important for faith to be our driving force? Why is it so important for faith to be what's pulling us forward? It's because belief, belief is one of the most powerful things on this planet. I got a positive example and a negative example. We're going to start with the negative so we end with the good taste in our mouth, right? Uh, look at Hitler, all right? He was able to accomplish a lot of evil, right? He, he did accomplish a lot of evil. He held a belief that spurred him on. Obviously not the right belief, but it made him work towards his goal. When you have someone who refuses to quit because they believe in what they're doing, that's a powerful person. I didn't say that's a right person, but that's a powerful person. Belief is a powerful person. Thing. Now, let me give you a positive example. Have you ever heard of the placebo effect? Uh, you can find trials. There's lots of more where people are given a placebo and they respond to what they are told. One study gave a placebo uh, pill and they said, hey, this is a stimulant. And they, they gave the pill to this person. And after they took it, they see their blood pressure rise, their heart race increase, heart race, heartbeat increase. Uh, the pill didn't do that, right? It was just a, a pill with some saline or whatever, right? Belief did. They believed it would work. There's other people who have uh, said, hey, this pill is going to make you be in a more relaxed state. Uh, that's what it does. It makes you chillax, right? Uh, they give them this placebo pill. It does nothing. And they all say, man, I felt better when I took that pill, right? Belief. Belief is a powerful thing. When it comes to me and it comes to you, what do you believe? Do you believe what God has said? Do you believe what God says about you because belief is strong just in general 
but belief or faith in God, it is supernaturally strong. It supersedes uh, our feelings. It supersedes our facts. It supersedes everything else because faith is that powerful. There's a passage in the gospel of Luke that I think it perfectly illustrates this actually several times that belief or faith in God, it changes everything. It supersedes what you're feeling. It supersedes the things that you know. And as we read this passage, I want you to think about, there's a few different characters that are in it, but I want you to think about how they're feeling. Uh, I want you to think about the facts that they're, they're processing. And then I want you to look at their faith. Their faith. I'm going to hop in at Luke 8, verse 41. Uh, you get your phone out. You can follow along on the live event on the Bible app. All these verses are here for you. It says, and there was a man named Jairus, uh, a leader of the local synagogue. And he came and fell at Jesus's feet, pleading with him to come home with him. Uh, why is he pleading Jesus to come to his home? His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A man comes to Jesus. He says, hey, my daughter is dying, but I believe that you can heal her. And so I would like for you to come. And so, so Jesus and the crew are at the game. They get up and they're heading to this man's house. And there's a crowd because there's kind of people that are following Jesus, curious about Jesus. Uh, and then as they're going through the crowd, something happens. It's almost like a jump scene in a movie. Like we have this man, his, his daughter is dying. He went to get Jesus and they are on their way. But there is another story happening at the same time. There's another story happening at the same time. So you get to to verse 43 and it says this, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years. How old was the man's daughter? The the man's daughter? She was 12, right? It says, this woman had been suffering for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure. Just think about that for a moment. It says she suffered for 12 years. She didn't feel like things were going her way. Her feelings were not good. She's suffering. And the fact of the time is, uh, if you, you wouldn't be cured by medicine, if you've had it for 12 years, like you're going to have it the rest of your life. We have no options for you. And it says this woman, she thought, if I could just touch his robe, if I could just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Put yourself into her shoes for a moment. How hopeful she would have been when she sees Jesus coming to the crowd. She's coming to him. 12 years, she's had this medical issue that cannot be fixed, but she's making her way to Jesus because that's what her faith is moving her towards. And in verse 44, it says this, coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. She touches the fringe of Jesus's robe and immediately her issue of blood is gone. She suffered for 12 years. That's not a good feeling. The the facts said that she'll never be made right. But faith said otherwise. Faith said otherwise. Uh, We keep going. And Luke 8, uh, verse 45, uh, here's what happens on the other. And here's Jesus said, who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, uh, this whole crowd is pressing up around against you. Like, how are we going to find out who's doing this? Uh, but, but Jesus says, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt a healing power go out from me. So Jesus, he's looking, he's looking to locate who he healed. And he's doing this 
uh, for two reasons. He's doing this for the benefit of the woman. He's got something to tell her, but he's also doing it for the benefit of everybody in the crowd. There are people all around him. They, they're like, uh, Peter's like, we're never going to find out. Everybody's touched up against you. He's doing it for the benefit of the woman who touched his robe and for the benefit of everybody else in the crowd. Here's how she responds in verse 47. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, right? he's Jesus, he's going to win at hide and seek, right? When she realizes that she could not stay hidden, uh, she began to tremble, fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she'd touched him and that she had been immediately healed. She was trying to be made well by Jesus. She had no doubt tried uh, countless other things in the past 12 years. And she tries this, I'm sure, coming to Jesus as he touches her up, thinking, can he do this? Is this going to work? And he, he heals her now, but, but now she's sitting there thinking, now he wants to know who he healed. Like, he's like, who did it? Like, she's probably thinking, what's he going to say to me? Is he going to be mad? He's like, How is this going to unfold? She, she's fearful. How is Jesus going to respond to doing this? Like, did I just get, did I steal something from him? Like, what's he going to do? And it says that Jesus looks at her and he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. The facts and how she felt would have had everything pointing down. There's no way from this. You're just going to suffer for the rest of your life. But faith in Jesus changed everything for her in an instant. The faith she possessed changed the facts. It changed how she felt faith for us. Guys, it has to be what's leading our lives. It has to be what's leading us. Now, this woman, um, under the old Jewish law, she would have been considered unclean uh, because she was bleeding. And according to uh, the Jewish law at that time, uh, she, everything she would have touched would have become unclean. Uh, picture how that would have shaped her life over the past 12 years. There were rules and regulations about where she could and couldn't go, what she could touch, because according to that law, everything she touched would become unclean. Anyone who knew she had this issue of blood would have to keep their distance from her because she would make them unceremonially clean. But Jesus reverses this. The last 12 years, anything she's touched has become unclean. She touches Jesus instead of him becoming unclean, he makes her clean. He heals her. Jesus doesn't catch her sickness. He spreads his health. He heals this woman and calls her daughter. Calls her daughter. Hear me on this. You don't need to feel like you can come to Jesus. Because just to be real with you, you'll never feel good enough. Don't worry about the mess that you're bringing to genius, he is a master of turning a mess and turning it into a masterpiece. This woman's faith in Jesus has made her well. And when Jesus asks her, who, who did this? She trembles. She's fearful. And he responds in grace, says, daughter, your faith has made you. We have to let faith pull us and don't let your mess keep you from coming to Jesus. You're not going to get him messy. He's going to make you clean. Now back to the man whose daughter is dying. That's where the story started out. That was just an aside, all right? We'll jump back. Uh, in verse 49, uh, it continues back. That's literally the next verse. Is while he was still speaking to her, 
a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He told him, all right, so he's got this man who comes. Uh, he says, hey, your daughter is dead. There's no use in troubling the teacher now. There's no use in troubling the teacher now. His daughter has died. That's a fact. She's dead. Uh, the, the father and uh, this father and his family, they're grieving a, the loss of a, of a loved one. And this dad, he's already, he's already got Jesus to come. Jesus is going to come and be on his way. And what he does, he looks at Jesus. He's looking for him to step into this mess that he is in. He's just lost his, his 12-year-old young daughter. He's looking at Jesus to turn it around. And here's what Jesus says in verse 50. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith and she will be healed. Don't be afraid. Now, we're going to come back to this. I want you to remember that Jesus said, don't be afraid, have faith. They got these next few verses here, they're not on the screen. I want, to, I want to read them quickly. It says, when they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anybody go in except for Peter, James, and John and the little girl's father and mother. The house that they go into is filled with people weeping and wailing. Everybody is grieving the death of this, this 12-year-old little girl. They are feeling the anguish of death. They know the facts. She's gone. And then here comes Jesus. Jesus tells them, uh, stop the weeping. Uh, she isn't dead. She's only asleep. Uh, and it says the crowd laughs at him because they know, like, like she's, she's died. She, she's not there anymore. Then Jesus, it says, took the girl by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, life returned. And she immediately stood up. And then Jesus told them, hey, give her something to eat. And her parents were overwhelmed. But Jesus insisted. He said, hey, don't tell anyone what has happened. Uh, that, that was kind of one of those things where it's like, hey, hey I'm trying to keep this hush-hush because I know if I tell you to keep it quiet, you're actually going to go tell more people, okay? And Jesus gave this family, their daughter back. This father heard that his, his little girl had died. Right? He, he, Jesus was on the way. He got interrupted. He, he helped somebody else, but then his daughter dies before Jesus gets there. And when he hears that, what did Jesus tell him? He said, don't be afraid. Have faith and she will be healed. Got someone telling him his daughter has just passed, but Jesus is telling him, have faith I'm not done working yet. Uh, if we flip over to the Gospel of Matthew, uh, if you didn't know the Gospels, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life right, from the eyes of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, they repeat a lot of the same stories, but there's some different perspectives on this. So in Matthew chapter 9, we're going to pick up where we just left off in Luke 8. Okay, uh, So we see Jesus do another miracle. It's Matthew 9. There we go. Uh, after Jesus left the girl's home, that's the girl that he just raised from the dead. He told the parents, don't say anything. Two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. And then it says, they went right into the house where he was staying. And Jesus asked them, do you believe I can make you see? Jesus asked then the same question he asks us, do you believe? 
do you believe? And the, and the blind men respond and say, yes, Lord, we do. And then Jesus touched their eyes. He said, because of your faith, it will happen. And their eyes were open. They could see. And then Jesus tells them the same thing again. He sternly warns them. He says, don't tell anybody about this. <laughs> and the last verse says, but instead they went out and spread his fame all over the region. Just in that, that one little section of scripture, I want to recap. It says, Jesus healed a woman who suffered uh, for 12 years with fleeting. Jesus heals the daughter who has died. And then Jesus heals the two blind men. And there's a thread that's tying all of these together. And, it, and it's faith. Faith in Jesus. In every one of these, Jesus moves in response to faith. The first woman, Luke 8, 48, he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go and please the blind man. He says, because of your faith, it will happen. The 12-year-old daughter, it says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he said, don't be afraid, just have faith and she will be healed. It's faith, faith, faith. And when he tells that, that father whose daughter just died, he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And he said that for a reason. We mentioned this earlier in the series, but Satan, he corrupts what God creates. Whenever God creates something good, Satan counterfeits that with something else. God has given us faith, but the enemy wants us to live in fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. This whole series, we've been talking about what's pulling you, what is driving you to make the decisions you make. And if we're honest, some of us let the lack of faith drives. That's called fear. We let fear take control of our lives. We let fear make decisions for us. How many lives are, are driven by fear? Fear of not being enough, a uh, fear of change, a fear of losing. Just we're fearful of all the things. Our world is full of people who are living in fear of something. Because our fear, just to be honest, it captivates it makes you focus on the negative. It makes you focus on what could happen. Fear is the counterfeit of faith. And that's why Jesus, he's, he tells his dad whose daughter has died. He says, don't be afraid. Have faith. It's as if Jesus is telling him, hey, don't go there. Don't be fearful. Have faith. I'm right here with you. Don't be fearful. Have faith. I'm right here with you. I don't know if you know this, but that's exactly what Jesus is saying to everybody in here. He's telling you to don't be afraid to have faith. I'm right here with you. Where do you experience fear? Is it, is it for your family, the thought of losing a relationship with a child? Uh, are you fearful for your job, losing the ability to provide? Is it, is it fearful of the status we have, losing the way people perceive you could be any number of things where do you experience fear because wherever you experience fear the antidote to fear is faith not faith in the universe that things are just going to work out the antidote is faith in jesus jesus they're saying don't be afraid have faith i'm right here we don't need to fear because we have faith in Jesus, because we have Jesus. Uh, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says this, 
For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. When we have Jesus, we have no reason to fear because our God is way bigger than any challenge we face. He has given us a spirit of love, power, and self-discipline. And when we have faith driving us, it puts everything into place. 1 John 4 eight says this, love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And it shows we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Jesus love you and his perfect love expels all fear. If we have fear, it shows we haven't fully experienced his love. His love is perfect. Where do you experience fear? Let me, let me phrase it another way. Where are you afraid to move forward? As faith moves forward, uh, during the series we've talked about facts, feelings, and faith. Facts, that's our, our head. Feelings, that's our heart. Faith, that's our hands and our feet. I guess what I'm trying to say is faith is more than an intellectual decision. Faith is more than a feeling. Faith is moving forward even when you don't know. It's trusting God to do what only he can do. In the book of James, it talks about how faith works. It says, faith without good deeds is useless. What he's communicating is faith is not an intellectual exercise. You have to do it. Faith is our hands and our feet. You guys remember that scene from Indiana Jones where he has to walk across that bridge that he can't see? It's one thing to say on this side where where, uh, you're not taking the step that you believe you can walk across. It's an entirely different thing to take that step when you don't know where you're going to land. It's not our head that tells us to go. It's not our heart, the feeling. It's our faith that keeps us going. I've got a little uh, string shooter here. If you got a kid who would love this, it's theirs after service. Sorry, I'm getting rid of it, right? But here's the deal. Uh, that's a pretty cool little gadget. I don't know if you've ever seen one of these. But if I don't activate it, it just stands still. Uh, it just falls to the ground. If I swing it up, it just it goes right back down. But once I activate it, uh, things change a little bit. It's moving. It's no longer static. And if I swing it up or I swing it down, it kind of comes back to wherever it was. It's because it's moving. And sometimes it might get a little tangled, uh, but if I go crazy, it might get a little tangled. But here's the deal. If I keep moving, it works itself out. That's what faith in Jesus does in our lives. It doesn't make us perfect, right? This thing isn't perfect. We're going to have ups and we're going to have downs, but it keeps us going. And when we keep going, God's going to work it out. He's going to work it out. Here's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants you to to have a hiccup, to have an up or a down, and he just wants you to stop and he wants fear to take over. He wants you to, hey, just stay right where you're at. You don't need to do anymore. You're good enough. You don't have to worry about it. He wants us to stop moving. God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's a counterfeit from the enemy. God has given us a spirit of power, love, faith is moving forward, trusting God to provide. That has to be what motivates us in our lives. Because if it's anything other than faith in Jesus, 
when the road gets tough, we're going to quit. Why would we keep going? A question for you is, is faith pulling your life? Or is it something else? Is it fear that's just keeping you still? You're not taking that step that you know you need to take. Is it, is it your head? Is it intellectually? You're th- overthinking it. Or is it, is it your feelings? You're just so overwhelmed you can't do it. Don't be afraid. Have faith. He's going to get you through it. Keep moving forward. Faith has to be what pulls us. It reorients our life and around the right things. And when it's not at the front, it disorients us to everything else. We have to keep faith at the front. We have to have faith that's pouring Not fear. We don't want that. Don't be afraid. Has faith. Let's pray.